0: Buford, I have Noelle Quinn, Los Angeles, California native, and Seattle Storm champion, right? Um, Noel, correct. Noelle, congratulations on your Who career, and congratulations on where you come. Uh, I do got some general questions I want to ask of you, and hopefully you can uh, shed some light on your career and what, uh, what you've been through with some of our readers and listeners. Is that fine with you? yeah cool now, well uh, quite simply when when did you start playing basketball?
1: <laughs> um, I started playing basketball around the age of eight. um well organized basketball prior to that. um, I think my kindergarten teachers and stuff and my mom would tell my mom that I would be playing outside <clears throat> basketball with the teacher and the other boys <laughs> um okay. but organized basketball about eight years old um uh Westchester Park,
0: yep. Okay, Westchester Park, okay, I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you pattern your game after somebody specifically or who kinda influenced your, your game that you end up having and in- playing with?
1: Yeah, I grew up watching the Showtime Lakers. Uh, I love oh, Magic boy. Johnson. <laughs> I love Magic Johnson. So as a big guard, uh, he kind of always in, inspired me. You know, obviously we didn't have professional women's basketball back then, but being able to watch the NBA, uh, I took a liking to, being from L.A., I took a liking to Magic.
0: Okay. Um, talk about becoming the first player in high school to have their jersey retired. What's what that meant for you? Is that is that something you were striving for? And just talk about how that accomplishment there for a moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like we, we, when I played the game, I just wanted to play the right way, be a good teammate, and ultimately win. I didn't know that you know I didn't I didn't play the game thinking like one day I want my jersey retired one day I want to be a Hall of Famer um, I don't think that's why I played basketball I played I played it because I loved it um, it brought joy to me my mother my family my friends it was something that I was very passionate about still am very passionate about so. Um, to be able to go back to Bishop Montgomery and have my jersey retired, I think that was a that was amazing um, just because while you are kind of in it, when I was in it, I didn't really understand the magnitude of what I accomplished in high school. So to be able to go back and see my jersey there, and now that I'm coaching there, I, I get to see it every single day. It's just a reminder of the hard work and the dedication and uh, the blessings that came along the way.
0: Oh that's awesome that's awesome um so along the way, you mentioned it kind of took me basketball is taking to you you taking you some places that you mm-hmm. probably weren't uh, expecting mm-hmm. um in that journey, what were some of the lessons that life lessons that you learned through playing basketball?
1: A lot of lessons, you know. um, Basketball teaches you a lot about life and life skills. It teaches you you have to be on time. You know, as a professional, if you show up late, you get fined. (laughs) Um, Mm. It teaches you how to work with people. Um, You'll have teammates who you love, teammates who you, you don't necessarily, you know, get, like, rock with or vibe with. But at the end of the day, on a team, you have to work together for a common goal, um, basketball has also taught me uh the importance of hard work. You know, you can't basketball is something that can be taken you can't take it for granted, you can't take it lightly. Um, you know you never know when the ball is going to stop bouncing. Um, so it's important to just um uh, stay in the moments, take advantage of those moments, uh, work hard every day, uh sacrifice for that work, um and the results will come. I, I was, a, you know, in my career, I played overseas as well. And being away from my family also taught me to value my family even more. Um, mm. Obviously, eight eight months out of the year, I was away from home for about 10, 10 years straight. So, to be able to do something i love, yeah, i have to sacrifice, but at the end of the day, when it all is said and done, um your family will forever be there and it's important that we value family um through the good, bad, and different.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Where which country did you enjoy playing in the most? The most,
1: um, I really enjoyed Israel. Um, Israel is similar to California in that, you know, there are beaches and uh, very Americanized. Um, The the men's teams and women's teams were close in proximity, close proximity, so we're able to see each other often. And I think um, just to be able to, visit places that you read about in the Bible. I got to see Jerusalem, um, Mm. Dead Sea, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all of of these things, Jesus' tomb, all these things that you read about in a historical document Um, to be Mm. able to kind of just to actualize and, and be there. I thought that was pretty cool. I played in some amazing places. I think probably my second favorite would be um, Italy, the food was great. I got to visit the Amalfi Coast, like <laughs> something you hear about in songs,
2: <laughs> right, songs right. or
1: whatever. Like I actually was standing on the beach there, you know what I'm saying? So just some um, very cool places that I got to play in and a uh, very memorable experience at uh, time. Oh uh,
0: That sounds pretty cool. Um, um, can you give me an aha moment? Whether it be in high school, whether it be in college, or or in the WNBA, what mm-hmm. moment did you feel like? Um, was there a moment, probably at each each of your stops there, that mm-hmm. you felt like you've arrived and this is your game, and and now mm-hmm. all eyes on you, that te- the team is yours, et cetera.
1: Again, it's kind of hard because when you're in the moment, you really don't um, recognize the magnitude of. You know your okay. performance or how much, but like as in high school, I was a McDonald's McDonald's All American. So uh, that year in the McDonald's All American game was LeBron, Chris Paul, Shannon okay. Brown, okay, okay, LeBron for like all these guys. So at that point, obviously, you can still go from high school to the NBA, mm-hmm. and I think that was a pretty cool experience.
3: Um, okay,
1: just to be amongst the elite um in the in the country um sure. and represent the west in college you know um being able to make the jump from a high school and senior to a freshman high school senior to a freshman um and being able to see that my game was uh, uh successful at that mm-hmm. at that level um i got the yeah, it transferred and it transferred right away. My okay. coach and uh my teammates have the ultimate confidence in me. So, you know, being able to win freshman pe- uh player of the year, whatever it is, it was I think that was a I think that was a, a breath of relief for me okay. because okay. like it's like, All right, you, you can play at this level, like, you know. Um and then in the pros I think, um, you know, my, my first couple of years where we were i was on the minnesota we were very young we didn't have a lot of vets i think we had like seven rookies and i didn't really know how to be a pro i think um when i came to la uh, having to play with being able to play with lisa leslie tina thompson um candace parker delicia milton tisha pinnature i think um that was really a moment that I loved because I was back home playing in Staples. Mm. It was like a full circle. I grew up a season ticket, my mom was a season ticket holder for a spark. So watching all these players and sitting in Staples as a fan and then uh, being able to actually play on the court with legends, with greats, and, you know, being able to just play in front of my family and my friends, I thought that was, I think that's a, Pretty much an aha moment, like wow, it, like you know, you dreamed about this, you wanted to get here, and you're here, not only in the league, but in your hometown.
0: Yeah, that had to be pretty awesome. That pretty mm-hmm. had to be pretty awesome. What um talk about that joy you saw on your mother's face, like after mm-hmm. the game or, po- or pre-game, why yeah. while the national anthem <laughs> is going on. Talk about that and how that made you feel there for me.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because like I I was a you know, stand. So I knew exactly where our seats were in Staples. Like I can be anywhere in Staples on the floor and okay. know where my mom is. Okay. And when I was praying for the sparks during the national anthem, I would always find her and we would connect, I smile, you know what I mean? And okay. those little moments um, were just so impactful for me because it, it, I was just sitting there with her. <laughs> Gotcha. You know, years prior, yeah, to years watching. Before, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but but she's always she's my number one fan. Like I can't do any wrong. <laughs> so
0: hold on. So hold on. To, no. so yeah. hold up. Hold up. When you start playing for the Sparks, your season upgrade, Noel. Is- <laughs> no, you know what?
1: Like she, she, she wanted to keep her series. Seats like she she didn't need an upgrade. She, she okay. my mom was a season ticket holder since the form. So oh, wow. when okay. the, the inception okay. of the league, like we we always had the same tickets, and she liked her tickets were right by the tunnel and stuff. So they were good seats. There they weren't you bad see. seats. Uh,
3: sure sure okay. But okay yeah she
1: was good you know she's she, when she's old school so if she loves something she gonna she's gonna stick
0: with it <laughs> you know it, 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 she'll make it do what it do huh? yeah that, exactly that, that's pretty cool that's a really a, a awesome story and i can just imagine that kind of how you guys felt at the same time and how she felt as well so congratulations for that accomplishment congratulations um so you talked about playing with some veterans at the Sparks and kind of made you pro, made you a pro, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about winning the championship in Seattle, like playing with that team there and kind of uh, how that kind of I want to say capped off your career, but how mm-hmm. how that uh, impacted your career. Uh
1: greatly. You you know the ultimate Goal when you play in this league is to win a championship, uh, to be able to win it with the teammates that you know have sacrificed so much, you've been through so much with them, and um, you know, having to play with Sue Bird, uh, Brianna Stewart, um, you know, Drew Lloyd, Alicia Clark, all these guys are just it's hard to win a championship, and so. When you finally split, it's just like, the amazing. Just win and just dip out. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't, I was contemplating in that offseason about coming back or not, and, and the opportunity presented it itself. So I was like, is it, it's not, it isn't any better feeling than to win it and to um, just retire, you know? But um, it was, it was, such a unique group, a special group in that I've never really been on teams where everyone genuinely gets along, everyone. And that was the case that has been the case in Seattle. Um, and then having a good mix of young and vets um, and having good leadership, and um, they all just kind of came together at the right time, the right moment. And I, I love that I wanted it with those ladies um, just out, uh people that I will never forget and honor honor them for the rest of my life and they have become friends. And obviously I'm coaching them now, but um, nothing has changed as far as my affinity toward each and every one of them. And, again, we still have a common goal. So it's pretty cool to be able to continue to work with them on a day-to-day basis.
0: Um, Again, that's that's pretty good. I like your story. You really have a dope story. Um, When did coaching become part of the plan?
1: Mm-hmm. It 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 didn't <laughs> I like That's to true. say coaching found me. I okay. I was still playing, um and I this was after my ten years of overseas I decided to stay. And um the the WNBA has this internship program so where you can pick um any type of field that you're interested in and you have to work a forty hour work week The you know your boss signs off on your hours, but the dirty NBA pays you. And um, with this program, I decided to go back to Bishop Montgomery, and I just wanted to work in the athletic directing office. And um, so I was the same principal. Um, She was there, and a lot of the same administrators were there. And in this opportunity, the principal was like, "Well, can you coach for us?"
3: (laughs) Mm. It was
1: like that, and I was like. Uh, you know she's like you can do it i see this in you um we need your help and so um i i just started coaching and i fell in love with it and so that was the last two years of my playing career i was coaching high school and then um toward the end of my this was even before the 2018 season when we won it um One of the owners for the store was like, hey, like whenever you're done playing, we want you to coach. Like we see this in you, the way you play, like a coach on the floor and how your demeanor and things like that. uh, she was like, whenever you're done, I'm saying, you know, you're done. I'm just saying, like, that opportunity was there. So, again, not really in the game plan, but an opportunity that came about. And going back to your previous question where, like, what has basketball taught you, I mm-hmm. think another thing is, like, you never know who's watching you. Right. And so, in in order to, um, you know, you can, you can be interviewing for a job while you're sitting there on the bench cheering your team on. You can be interviewing sure. while you're hooping, like, um, sure. So it's all about caring yourself in a manner that you that's respectful to you and honors you, God, your family, whatever is important to you, um, but also understand like. You know, the ball, like I said, the ball's going to eventually stop bouncing. You're not going to hoop forever. Now, what's, what's life after basketball going to look like? And I've been so blessed to be able to have these opportunities, not necessarily because I'm seeking them out, but because of what other people see within me. They have confidence within me. They see me in this role. And, again, like, you never know who's in the stands watching me. My boss is essentially saying, like, I have another job for you, even before I'm done with my. My 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 job at that moment. Your you know current I
0: mean? role, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My current role, so that's another
1: lesson
0: that I definitely learned. Oh, that's that's amazing. That that's a great life lesson there for for the fans as well for our listeners. Um, another question, kind of as you were talking, I was wondering how much so you played and coach at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. How much
0: did coaching, imp, or how much did playing impact your coaching, or coaching impact your playing? That's the question I want to ask. How much does coaching impact your, your yeah. playing style?
1: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as a coach, especially at the high school level, you have to be super patient with kids, right? Because you're not, you get kids who maybe will go on to play college basketball. You get the kid that's been in your program since, you know, the Frost off team, and they're just happy to be there. You get the kid that's just on trying to hoop because her friends are hooping. We get so many different types of kids at the end of the day. Um, yes, you want to win, and yes, you want to be successful, but the most important thing is how can I impact these young women's lives? And that patience and that understanding of my role each and every day, um, as a player, like, it gave, gave me a little bit more grace. <laughs> for coaches, okay. you know what I'm saying, okay. like you coaches have a sympathy i'm so I'm one person that has twelve to fifteen personalities to to deal with on a team on a day to day basis. I'm one person having to look at my team like, okay, how's she feeling today? Is she all right? What's going on with her family? Is school okay like legit its it's it's tough. But yep, now, as I'm going, yeah, as a as a player, you have a little bit more grace and empathy for coaches because yeah. it's like they have to manage so much yeah. already. And and as a player, it's like, why are you not playing me or like, oh, coach is tripping today or no, it's not that. It's that uh, my job is to coach as a coach is to figure out how can I be how can I best uh, serve my team and how can I best put us in situations that we are successful in. I think I learned that that's probably what I learned most about coaching. Um, okay. And I flipped that, like, as a coach, I learned, like, to look at the game in, like, numbers and statistics. Like, I never really looked at that as a player. Like okay. So now as a coach, I'm understanding what uh, – affects the field goal percentage means and what true right. shooting percentage means and what right. all these things that like analytics exactly that yeah, you, yeah. that you referenced. Yeah. Now I understand looking at a stat sheet or looking at advanced statistics like, oh okay, this is why this team is successful because XYZ. Uh uh-huh.
0: So okay, now question there, you brought you brought up a couple great questions there. And uh really thank you for your time, um, Miss mm-hmm. Noel. How now? You say you you start paying attention more to as, a, analytics as a coach mm-hmm. versus a player. Is it still a feel of the game though that yes. you that you're relying on, or Absolutely. can you use analytics to kind of support your decision? Or mm-hmm. are you falling are you going to analytics to kind of support the feel that you have? That's
1: a great question. I think it's a combination of both, right? So if statistically the statistics say. A contested two off the dribble is probably the lowest percentage shot in basketball. Let's just say I don't know if that statistic right. statistic has changed, right? Mm-hmm. So as a coach, yes, I'm going to inform my team, like, hey, we don't want these contested twos off the dribble. We want to force teams to take contested twos off the dribble. Uh,
3: okay. You know, like but
1: yeah. as a team, maybe, but I'm not gonna say don't take this mid-range jumper. It's because as a player, I know if you can get to your spot and hit that, that's an excellent shot for you and who you are. So okay. there's just like, to me, there's an eye test, right? Like, there okay. are numbers don't lie. We all know that. We all understand that. But at the end of the day, if you have a feel for the game, for flow, for management – because you've played the game or, you know what I'm saying? I think that is an advantage, not just relying on numbers. That's like if a referee is reffing a game solely based on what the the rules and guidelines say word for word. At the end of the day, yes, you know what a foul is when somebody else impedes or hits or whatever, but if you know feel of the game, speed of the game, there's some fouls that – don't want you to blow your whistle. So I think it's the same as um, mm. not fouls, but some instances in the game, you're not gonna blow your whistle, like whether it's down the stretch of the game. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that I think you need to have a good combination of stats and. Feel like if the stats say, Hey, we are turning the ball over way too much and we are not efficient. Yes, we need to work on being more efficient and things like that. That statistics are going to help in your preparation for what you need to work on, practice, and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think if you see how your kids or your players know how to Coop and what how 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 they play in their field, I think that matters as well
0: okay, thanks thanks that's pretty cool um which coach now you kind of said that coaching kind of found you which mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense as you explained it throughout your years, which kind of coach influenced your style the most
1: mhm um Again, I think a coach who has a great balance of both. Obviously, as a head coach or a coach, you aren't going to be great at everything. You're going to have some deficiencies, so you surround yourself with assistant coaches that uh, support you in your deficiency or can do something that you cannot or you're not good at. So um, I think the best coaches that I've played for Are excellent basketball minds, like high basketball IQ, but know how to balance um, how to best connect with your players, um, how to get everybody to buy in, but also understand that though we are elite players, though we are essentially the best of the best, I still need you to instill some type of confidence in me. Granted, mm-hmm. as a pro, you should already have that. But as women, you know, sometimes, you know, you may get into a slump or whatever it is. I don't need you to not, to come in the gym and, and not speak to me just because I'm not <laughs> shooting the ball. well. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I think the best coaches find a way to find balance and connecting with the players, but also understanding the game, whether it's ATOs or whether it's um, adjustments. Or whether it's even understanding that hey I might not I may be deficient in this, but my coach knows that this way better than me and trusting in in that and empowering others um to have a voice.
0: Okay, that's 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 pretty cool. Hello fans. Cameron here. I wanna to talk to you guys about the LA Dudes Observer and a group of newspapers that cover the Southern California market. They have papers in Bakersfield, Los Angeles, in the Valley, San Fernando, and San Gabriel. This paper is filled with talented writers, content that covers everything from sports to politics to current events. The website is www.ognse.com. That's the LA News Observer. You can find it at www.ognsc.com. Okay, that's 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 pretty cool. Uh, once again, this is Cameron Buford. I got Miss Noelle Quinn with me, and we, we're just talking it up about hoops. And I appreciate this conversation so much. You've enlightened me a, a whole lot on coaching, playing. And one. want to thank you for this time once again.
1: Nice have um,
0: I got some life questions for you. Okay. As a black professional basketball player here in America, mm-hmm. can you talk to me about why you think this recent George Floyd murder has such mm-hmm. a profound impact on the world uh versus what happened to Trayvon Martin, Tamir mm-hmm. Rice, Eric Garner, mm-hmm. Michael Brown, Brianna Taylor and so many others. Why mm-hmm. is it this murder that has such a, a, a impact on um America uh-huh. and the world?
1: You know what? I'm going to be honest, it's probably COVID and quarantine. Okay. Right. So quarantine okay. has allowed us to slow down. Okay. Stay at home. Now you're 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 more like you have legit like nothing to do. Okay. All these, you know, we've had there have been instances of when black men and women have been murdered and it's been on camera and we haven't reacted, right? You brought right. up those names. Now this was a reaction. Why? Because all eyes are on it. We have nothing to do but to sit and get, um, sit on social media with. Uh, mm-hmm with uh the, the news or whatever your news outlet is and yep. it's there. The other aspect of it is you know the response. Like the, I mean I grew up in L.A. I grew up you know Rodney King I thoroughly remember coming home from school and seeing the, the streets like smoke everywhere stuff burning right. people riding I grew up that's the time I grew up in. And okay. so when you get a reaction, um, when you start, uh, when you start, <laughs> you know I'm I'm not like saying that the reaction was the best, but mm-hmm. when sure. there is an uprising and when there is a, a unification in that, it wasn't just Black folks out there; mm-hmm. it was all types of folks. When, exactly. when when you get that type of response, I think it's. Powerful, like power in numbers. There's, there's power in numbers. Um, so yeah, I think the fact that being in quarantine, having to do absolutely nothing, all that allowed you to focus on this one event in life, when all these other tragedies happened life still went on as normal. Right, yeah. But yeah. in like you, ha- we had no choice but to see it. It was there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, that everybody being still in place kind of forced us to recognize it, forced America, mm-hmm. forced the world to kind of recognize and see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with the, I, I agree with that standpoint. I agree that while there was protesting, because there was quarantine, no, no not many people were working, not mm-hmm. many kids weren't in school. Right. And so they had this time to protest. And I agree that that led to draw on for, like, Mm -hmm. three weeks of protest. Mm -hmm. I I agree. And I agree with the cause. I'm a black man myself, so Mm -hmm. I agree with the cause that they're protesting against. I certainly Mm do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just seems, as you mentioned, it wasn't just black people.
1: It Mm -hmm. was uh, the
0: Latinos were, were rioting. Uh, there was mm-hmm. white folks riding. Heck, mm-hmm. you know what you know what the population is like in Seattle.
1: Seattle yeah. had
0: the whole chess, um mm-hmm. um because of this protest and I, right. I assure you, I'm from Seattle, so I assure oh, okay. you it, it, okay. it wasn't it, it wasn't a lot of us that attacked yeah, the police department. Absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> so the everybody was involved in this. Mm-hmm. So um that's that's what kind of made this different and I was just wanting to get your mm-hmm. opinion on what the difference, and and it I, I do agree that because everybody had had it was down, quarantined, mm-hmm. had a chance to look at it, had a chance to see it over and over, had a chance mm-hmm. to kind of absorb it. Um, that's yeah. what kind of made this difference. So, um, yeah. now you're down in Florida, mm-hmm. at, at the IMG Academy, right in, in the Wubble is is being called.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, the Wubble. <laughs> um, what did you consider not going? Did you did you have to talk to your teammates? Did mm-hmm. some of your players uh, consider not going? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of basketball players in the NBA included were mm-hmm. considering not going because they can felt they have a better or stronger message not playing yeah, basketball than playing true. basketball. Did, how did talk to me about that? Uh, how you came to that decision and then that kind of that, that dichotomy where should you go? Should you not go?
1: Yeah, you know I think. You know, all all athletes are their own brand essentially, and have you know we talk about having a different role, a different lane uh, lane during this time. So some some lanes and some roles are like, hey, I'm I'm frontline protesting. Some roles can be, hey, I'm donating to these causes. Some roles can be, um, hey, I'm just you know I'm informing my circle and the people who I come in contact every day. I'm educating myself. I'm educating everybody who I who I cross-pass with, right? So there's different lanes in this fight. Um, And I think for the players who decided that they aren't going to play and use their voice for this platform, I think that's powerful. Because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times, or a a lot of times right now in life we've been having to choose, do I go make this money or do I stay healthy? Now, what they're choosing is to focus their time on social injustice, on um, voter suppression, on defunding the police. Whatever those causes may be, more power to them. I support them. Now, coming, you know, to play in the wobble or the bubble, like for the NBA, um, obviously there had to be protocol in place that will have the players um feel safe enough to come. But also, you know, their standpoint, the players that are here, their standpoint is we have this platform to, to the point that we alluded to before this. It is quarantine. There's no sport. So there's more eyes on us. And so within our platform, we are going to talk about these issues. We're going to put Breonna Taylor on the back of our jerseys. We're going to put Black Lives Matter on the floor um, and to stand firm in that. And I think you have a lot of players who are, uniting hand in hand, arm in arm, and um they're using this time not only about to win a championship. But I think the focus is um on all the issues that are occurring right now in life. Me personally, um I just wanted to. I said I said from the get go, like I'm down. I'm I'm the type of person I'm gonna roll with the homies <laughs> as long okay. as it's legal and safe. <laughs> okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? You know, as long and and that was my standpoint from the beginning. Like as long as it's a safe environment and it's done right and and, and um, we're not put in in harm's way, I'm down to go. But at the end of the day, if my teammates are, I'm sorry, my players and my coaches and ownership. Said, hey, now we're we're one, We want to fight for a cause. Like I was willing to do that too. I think in, in both instances, your message can be powerful. You still can, you know, um, you still can reach the masses in a certain way. You still can stand firm in your beliefs in a certain way. Whatever you want to, whatever point you want to get across, I think both ways um, can can do that. And of course we are very much in a pandemic. COVID is real and it 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 wasn't it wasn't like taken lightly. Right. My decision to come here I I, I it was it wasn't taken lightly. I I talked to I had many conversations about, you know, what was going to occur and making sure everything was done right and because of that, I feel comfortable enough to come. And honestly, Cameron, like here, while, well, you know, though, there was a lot to get here as far as testing and, you know, what we had to do right. and up, um, it's been a pretty good situation. Um, I can't really complain about anything. Obviously, there are things that can improve, but um, food's good, facilities are good, housing is good. Um, for me, you know, I've had a good experience, so um, I can't really complain now Um it is it is is very real the that the point the fact that, you know, people can test positive still. That's not, it's not is not an isolated situation that, you know, you're when you're in here you're safe. Like it's very much still being cognizant of the fact that hey, I don't I don't need to be out and about. Like I still whenever we can, I can quarantine and or you know stay away from crowd whatever the case may social distance whenever I can do that I'm doing that so being mindful that just because you are in this wobble like it, it doesn't mean that you're out of harm's way
0: okay all right i got it so um real quick i you mentioned t- testing you gave me a lot more a lot more to talk about um <laughs> you, you mentioned the 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 food the testing and amenities can you expound on those three things uh yeah. as we know that the, when you guys went down there initially there was mm-hmm. we saw some videos that said your accommodations mm-hmm. weren't so great. Mm-hmm. Um now I I'd imagine some of that has improved. So mm-hmm. talk to us about yeah. the testing to get in there and to um yeah. that you went to go through and then mm-hmm. talk about the food and the amenities. How how you said yours are good. Um mm-hmm. is that is that same experience, I'm sure you're talking to some of your colleagues, are is a experience um not what we've seen in general, or mm-hmm. is, has it improved? Talk about that for a moment.
1: Yeah, So prior to coming to Florida, we had to take three COVID tests, and we had to test positive um, two times in a row, I believe. So um, we so and if you got negative tests, you couldn't go. Um, so I think all of our travel party for Seattle, uh, we tested negative. So we all arrived, um, upon arrival, you get tested and our quarantine period, we had to stay inside, but, um, um, meals were delivered to us. Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, we, we stay in these villas. Um, and you know, my villa was, was nice. That wasn't the case for everybody. Um, I think the issue has since been resolved. I think the league either relocated, um, those players who felt those conditions were good. And then I think the video that you saw that was up, actually I heard that they redid the floor, they brought in new washer and dryers, and so now it actually looks different. So I don't know if someone has a a video of the new, the improvements. Um, I think the biggest thing with that was just like, you know, having to have it in the correct Condition the first way, you know what I'm saying? But also understanding that this is uncharted territory, this is new for everyone, and there are going to be some, um, you know, some kinks to it, Um, but they working those out. But um, since then, I think our accommodations, I think everyone is happy with that. Um, Now that we are out of quarantine, uh, we have training tables. So coaches get three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, you get you know, it's a, always a salad bar, and then the, the food options change. And um, every day I've actually enjoyed my food.
3: Okay, <laughs> um,
1: the days maybe I miss lunch, whether I'm in the gym or um, I, I, I wouldn't really miss it if I was working, but you know, if I didn't want to go to the training table, we can order um, through any app to drink to get our food delivered here, you know what I'm saying? So, um there are it it sounds like a bubble that's kind of like you was know, gated, <laughs> you know, but it's you know we're able to do um whatever's necessary for us to have our messages okay.
0: you know okay, um real quickly now how are you you you're in quarantine you have your your practice you have mm-hmm. um they're delivering food to you or they have a, or you're ordering food in how mm-hmm. are you keeping? How are you keeping busy? Like during, during these this downtime, are you watching movies? Are you? How are you? Yeah. Are you on the phone? You know. or are you talking to mom? Like what? What's yeah, going on? I'm the ultimate introvert, so
1: being alone okay. is my thing. Okay. But okay. yeah, um, I I think during those quarantine days, I was actually watching a lot of film, uh, okay. preparing for you know our practices that we're about to start. Okay. Um, I actually have been very intrigued with Dr. Joy the Um oh. she has this book called uh the um uh sorry, uh post traumatic slave. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh
0: my yeah, goodness. Yeah, and so oh, I've been
1: so actually during quarantine I was watching her videos and lectures, whatever I could find. I I need to I, I wanna order the book. Well actually I can just upload it on my iPad now. Um, but I was—I've been—I've uh, I started uh, Michelle Alexander's book, uh, The New Jim Crow. So I've been—I've been really educating myself on, uh, you know, obviously the issues that are going on. But uh, Dr. Joy, man, she dives so deep into—oh,
0: she does, doesn't
1: she? You know the. Um, the, the, black, issues, the black
0: experience. The black,
1: black experience. experience. And it, it, you it, know,
0: it's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: it's unbelievable. Watching her lecture, she's witty. She's funny. She's so intelligent. She's um, the way she connects things. And wow, I, I've been uh, my eyes have been opened, and I'm just kind of diving deeper into um, a lot of her um, a lot of her work. Um, so I'm excited about even going further um, into.
0: To, to all of that, yeah. Yeah, she talks about um, just, the, the, you got me on a, send me a different, uh, down another angle here. Um, <laughs> Noelle, <Noah>, you <laughs> keep doing this. But yeah. Dr. Joy talks about the reason we need therapy as Black people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was so, oh, that was so profound. I was I was mm-hmm. listening to it. A friend sent me the video. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was like, I got into it, started listening to first minutes. I'm wondering why she sent it to me. I let it play in the background. Forty-five minutes later, I stopped what I was doing just to tune into the yeah. video. But she talked about yeah. the reason black people need therapy mm-hmm. was so it was so deep, I and mean, she related to like cooking a meal. Like you mm-hmm. can't cook a you can't cook a meal with um, with what is it uh, spoiled food and expect the meal mm-hmm. to come out well. And that right. was just so. It was, it was so – it caught me so much. So, yeah, I'm into Dr. Joy. So, um, so kudos to you. And that, um, now let me try to get back on track here. Um, are you satisfied with the league's BLM initiatives down, down there in Atlanta or, excuse yeah. me, in Florida?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I think, you know, I think the teams have taken more of a stance. You know, obviously we can go back a few years ago in our league where um, – you know I can't remember it was uh I can't remember who was uh tragically killed during that time but you know as a league and as players we wanted to uh, take offense against it and uh wanted to wear certain shirts right and the league was going to fine us for wearing those shirts mm-hmm. and I think now where we've progressed you know not um, ninety percent maybe of our league is African American, right. um, and it's important for the league to understand that you know the players that encompass your league um, have very real issues. They have they have brothers, fathers, uncles, um, nephews who go through more than what the average person goes through as far as being black man in America, but then as a black woman in America, I mean, we go through a lot more you know what I'm saying, and so Mm -hmm. I think, I think the, I would, I would love for the league to take a a stronger stance, and I think obviously with the business, it, it it gets, the lines get blurred, but what teams have been doing, what players have been doing is, is standing strong in front, and so that, that's not going to get blurred, like, we are very much a part of a movement of making sure we understand that black lives matter. Um, again, this is a big thing, right? Having to Mm -hmm. say, we're not saying that all lives don't matter. We shouldn't have to say that. And to say that black lives matter, it should not be something that's radical. It shouldn't. It's just a simple, um, statement that is powerful. And it doesn't say that being pro black means I'm anti anything else.
3: It just says that we
1: need to be seen. We need to be recognized. We need for, um, Everyone to understand that this this has happened to us, it's been happening to us, and it's 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 time for some more change. You know, change. Some change has happened. Some more change needs to happen. And what what teams have been doing, I love what teams have been doing. Now, I would love for the you know, obviously, I would love for the league to take a stronger stance Um, and and what they feel. Um, but hey, as long as we have voices from the majority of our players and um coaches and um front office general managers and owners, as long as we have that backing I think that that's powerful,
0: yeah, I like to say that uh inclusion doesn't mean the um subtraction right
3: um, that doesn't right. mean
0: that we were taken away from anything else, so that was right. a great point you make there and what are your thoughts on? I have to ask you about uh, the U.S. Senator and Kelly, mm-hmm. and part owner of the, the Atlanta team, what do you think about her recent comments and kind of how the league should respond to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, Senator Kelly, her comments don't align with the vision of our league. You know uh-huh. what I mean? You yeah. know they, they they just don't, and I think a lot of people have spoken up, players, have spoken up, especially, and you know, I though Again, I, the, the lead came out and said, "Hey, she's uh, she she doesn't some to the fact that she's not in the day to day decision making." Um, at the end of the day, she's still an owner, and I think the latest thing that happened was they weren't going to uh, force her to sell her share. In my opinion, that's not taking a strong stance again, and that that goes back to what I alluded to before, like. I think when you have a business who is made up of majority people, you know blacks I'm not going to say people of color but blacks especially I think that your, how your messaging is huge and mm. so for the league to say hey she's not in, involved like that, that's that's great that's not specific enough if you, if you are um you want her to stay in the league because I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but what I do know is that the players, especially feel strongly about, um, her beliefs and not, uh, being in line with what we think or feel. I think that she doesn't need to own a team or be involved in our league. If she doesn't understand the fact that her comments are divisive, um, they lack um sensitivity in my opinion. Sure. Like sure. you know, they're very insensitive and it's like she's she's not reading the room. Ooh,
3: <laughs> exactly. like, you, have to understand,
1: exactly. you have to understand what's happening in our world and you have to understand what's happening in your business and I think someone needs to sit down and have a conversation with her if someone is willing to do so. And good, bad, and different, different views, whatever political views you have, it's not even about that. It's about understanding that we are humans. Don't de- don't dehumanize us. Don't don't do um, portray us in as as um a mob. I, I can't remember what phrase she used. Certain people don't sit and own guns or whatever what all these comments that she was saying, like it doesn't
0: belong in our league. It just doesn't. Okay, that and you're you're right, and maybe the league will take a tr- stronger stance. And um, mm-hmm. as the season progresses, um, do you feel? Now you you just mentioned somebody needs to sit down with her. Do you feel obligated as a black woman in America? Do mm-hmm. you feel obligated to have that educational conversation on racism with others in America? Mm-hmm. It, it's do you feel that obligation?
1: I mean more so more so than not okay. now than ever. Right, okay. I think okay. I think if Dr. Joy can sit down with Senator Kelly,
3: <laughs> she can learn something. You know, yeah, I would certainly.
1: I would, I would want her to sit down with somebody who is just knee deep, neck deep into this. Like, uh-huh. you know, someone sitting down with her who is just very emotional about, you know, a situation, and you know, not not well versed as far as just like, you know, some some people need statistics, some people need a history lesson, some people right. need. Somebody who can just lay it, lay it out, and lay right. it out, lay lay it out flat and strong, and and a, and, and be very firm in that. Right. And you know, do I feel obligated? I mean, now, yes, because okay. because now you know why they're listening.
0: The yeah, well, that's listening. true. Good point. Great point. And they're Great willing.
1: Point. They're willing to 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 give money. They're willing to to help. They're willing to march. <laughs> they're willing to. Um, higher they're willing to do all those things like at this moment it, it, it is the the right it, if anything is going to get done it, this is the time to
0: okay that's a, that's a great point that's a, a fabulous point you make now i don't expect you to uh cure racism of the 400 years of racism that's been going on in this country i don't expect you to cure this right now but i would like you to tell your message to our listeners our readers Your message on improving or even eradicating racial inequalities in this country, what is your suggestion on that?
1: I think it starts in the education system, understanding our history, understanding that um, we can't just uh, not include our black history within history books. I think it's important to understand where we came from, how we evolved in that, and how we got to this point. And I think it starts with our younger generation. Um, obviously, racism is is taught, in my opinion, right? But as yeah. as I've been learning, trauma is it, it is can be genetic. Like if you you know you can you can trace back trauma all the way four hundred years ago, and that trauma might be genetically in in the bodies and the minds and the souls and the spirits of people today. And so I think it's important to understand the history, to know the history, because to know the history is to change history. Like you can't just forget about something. You just can't you can't just erase something. You can't just not include something and think that that that's okay, and wonder why we aren't, um, we we haven't moved, yeah, why we aren't united, why we haven't moved the needle further. Um, I think that once we understand, so now today, right, we can't go back in history, but now today, if people understand that racism is alive and well, like address the problem first, acknowledge that there is a problem that's where right. we have to start Right, white supremacy is real like it's right. real it is real but the the fragility part about it is like it doesn't exist it doesn't exist in your world because you don't experience it, but that does not- that does not mean it doesn't exist at all yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. acknowledging that and understanding we're not saying like you're to blame, but you have to acknowledge that 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 still exists but um i think uh, i think you know our leadership has to improve in the world um but and but but we can't expect um our leadership to help us if at first we don't start within our homes right mm. so i'm teaching my kids i'm teaching my nieces nephews um cousins you know, we have to start early. We have to start it in our homes. What we allow in our homes is what is gonna be allowed in the classroom, is what's is gonna be allowed on the basketball court, is what's gonna be allowed as you go into high school, college and so forth. What we allow in our homes, that that is going to perpetuate. So if we wow. cut it down in our homes and understand like this is what it is, um, this is how this is this should this is should this is how it should be, um, this is wrong, this is right. Um, at the end of the day, yes, when you grow up you you can choose to go left, go right, go up, go down, whatever it is, but understand yeah. that that we gotta start it early early that's, early
0: on. That's that's deep right there. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. Um Maya Moore. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar with Maya Moore. Yeah. Um would you share your thoughts on Maya Moore, and her mm-hmm. decision to sit out? Um, yeah. Basketball for a couple of years. Kind of share your thoughts on that real quick, if you want. yeah.
1: How powerful is it for a woman to like who is you know at the height of her career? They they call it the the
0: um, peak.
1: Not the peak. Yeah, I guess the peak of her career. Yeah. Prime yeah. is what yeah. a lot of people prefer. The prime of your career. Prime. Right, there you is go. I, I'm going to take a stand help save someone and in time probably help save many. Um, I think that's powerful. I think she's done an amazing job. I think, um, I think that these are the type of women and stories that um, our league can highlight. Um, I think that this is, again, you know, we talk about our roles and how we can change, and this was her role. Um, and, you know, my, I know – Maya is very faith-based, and she's led by her faith, and she felt this was a calling for her, and this is what was necessary. Um, I respect it totally. Um, you know, a lot of times in life, we have to understand chasing money, um, chasing a check isn't always going to fulfill us, right? Mm-hmm. When you find your purpose, when you find your passion, and mm-hmm. when you fulfill that, then you find you find joy within your life. And I think um, a lot of times as athletes were looked up to as, or these superstar athletes are looked up to as basically superhuman. (laughs) Like, you know, they're real, they're very real people. Um, And for her and her superstardom to take a strong stance, um, not only help someone else, but um, it's affecting legislation, is probably going to help more people, um, you can't do anything but um, give her all the respect in the world and commend her for her, her actions and, and for not only just walking the walk but talking the talk and getting it done.
0: Oh, that's tremendous. Um, yeah, um, actually, I mean, I would like to talk to her. Um, and just a kind of a side note is, Would you bring Maya Moore to talk to your team as not only for a a boost of motivation, kind of a pep talk, Mm -hmm. but would you bring her in to talk to your team just as um, being a strong black woman in in this country and being um, confident in in your things after basketball, life after basketball, and having a mission? Is that something you would consider doing?
1: I absolutely would and I, I do that with a lot of my kids. I use my I mean, not a lot of my kids, my team. I use my resources to bring in people who um, I think one year especially I, I tried to bring in people who not necessarily went on to play professional basketball but were very much um, uh, successful in the business world or whatever realm they were um, pursuing. Um, I, I, I know I brought in Stewie came and um, Jewel Lloyd spoke to my girls, and um, I think that is very important, right? as as a as a black as a young black athlete, a young black woman especially, to see um, the success of uh, uh, old other black women, um, and to succeed to see that you know basketball is the vehicle like it's going to get you there now when use the vehicle to get you there now when you get there figure out what it is you need to do figure out how can you impact how can you uh, be most uh, yeah be most successful in in helping others and I think that yeah I mean I'm I'm not I know Maya but we're, we're not close but if that opportunity came about I would love for her to talk to my girls yeah
0: yeah that's pretty cool um, I'd like to ask, ask you, you talked about using your resources. What is some of the bi- best advice you have received in your career, whether it being playing at co- in college, um, you know, your uh, advice given to some of the players as a rookie or the veterans when you were on the Sparks or even playing in Seattle? What's been some of the b- best advice you received?
1: Oh, some of the best, you know, um, I think not necessarily good, like a phrase or anything, but I think um, like one time I played with Tina Thompson. I played with her also in Seattle. And I remember like one time I I felt like I wasn't shooting the ball well. And so I was getting reps before practice, getting reps after practice, like doing my normal. Mm-hmm. And she said, Noe, she was like, it's not, it's not your mechanics. She said, it's all mental. Right, and and that's coming from a Hall of Famer Olympian, and she's mm-hmm. like, you know, and and right then and there, I think I I, I see what separates elite <laughs>
3: right. from
1: you know, like their thinking is just ha- amazing. Like mm-hmm. they're so like grounded in who they are that if they go 0 for 10. They understand who they are. Shoot, next game I'm going to go 10 for 10 I'm not going to sweat it. Like, to have a mentality mentality like that, I don't know if you're born with that.
0: (laughs) I feel like they
1: are. They're special in that way. But I think that kind of helped me to approach things with the – Different mentality as far as Making sure my mental is intact Like okay. you know I can work on my Body and you know just Just like just like we work on our Physical we have to make sure we work On our mental we have to feed our our Minds um, with Knowledge with um, Affirmations with, um, with Books with whatever it is Like we have to constantly feed our minds With positive positivity And understand like um, Your mental when they say it's, like, the game is, like, 80% mental, 20% physical, like, that joint is for real, like, it is, it is very mental. Mm,
0: That's, that's incredible, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to ask you how you work on that.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think staying in the moment, I think understanding, like, you can't get your moments back, you just turn the ball over, like, all right, come on, you got to Go get a stop on defense I think it's 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 understanding and being in one with um staying grounded in those moments um I think you also can read reading books um surrounding yourself with like minded people therapy you know um just as much as you know you talk about diet as a as an athlete, like, what you put into your body, like, you Mm -hmm. know, I need to stretch, I need to get in a weight room, I need Mm -hmm. to get my reps up, as much as that happens, I think that mental um, preparation needs to happen, too, so talking to people um, who have experienced what you're experiencing and just not being afraid to be vulnerable and, and understanding that it's okay to get help, it's okay to... Uh, feel the way that you feel that's because nothing new under the sun is everything has been done
3: <laughs> right, people yeah, have been true. through the
1: same emotions as as you have been through the same process. you know what i mean there's there's a, there's guidance for a lot of things
0: that yeah, that's that's deep that's deep um once again, thank you for your time um what would you what would you like people to know about you? That we can't see through social media, that the, the your players and your your fellow coaches can't see on the surface. What would you like the people to know about Miss Noelle mm-hmm. Quinn?
1: Uh, I think to know me is to love me. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty easygoing. I um, I love God. <laughs> I love my family. Okay. I um, I love L.A. I'm a I'm ride or die. Everything L.A.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: Um, um I mean, I'm very quiet, I'm very um chill, low maintenance, you know, like I don't think you know, obviously, um a lot of times I wanted kind of my game and things to speak for itself and just it's been an honored to kind of um been living living this life <laughs> and being successful on, on different levels, but uh I'm 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 chill, like I'm. <laughs> it's really, to know people who know me know me, you know. And so there's not really
0: You're modest. You're being modest, Noel. No, you no, college. for You've real. Accomplished a lot. You got your retired yeah, you in high school. Graduate UCLA here I mean, prominent college here. Um, WNBA champion. You're being modest, Miss <laughs> Noel. But I think that's it. that's who you are. But Miss Noel, let the people know. Let our readers know where they can find you on social media.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get better at social media don't, don't be bad but um, my Twitter is um, I am so LA 45 okay. um, and I'm not on Facebook much anymore but um, Twitter is more so than that and my friends they tag me in photos and they put IG list snowy <laughs> okay. um, so I'm not on IG but you know, you find me, you find me around. If if it's important enough, you'll find me.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, we we're gonna tag you. Now we got yeah. done with the hard part. You you gave me so much information. It's really deep that you went in there, and I thank you for your time once again. No so. um, Cameron Buford, voice of the fans, Los Angeles News Observer. Now I got some just completely random questions, so don't take oh, yeah, too long right, to answer. Right. Yeah, don't take too long to answer these questions. They just completely okay. random, okay? Okay, yeah. Miss Noel, what do you do with your mismatched socks? Oh,
1: uh, I wear
0: them. You wear them? You wear mismatched socks? <laughs> no, okay. that's
1: a lie. I keep them <laughs> on. My, I keep them on my dresser, and they just. Sit there until mm-hmm. I find the match. Until <laughs> okay, you
0: find the match, okay. So you mm-hmm. keep them for a minute, okay. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Um, what's the top? What's on the top of your bucket list?
1: Meeting Michelle Obama.
0: Okay. All right. You're not too far from that, I believe. <laughs> um. Outside of Michelle Obama, name three people you would invite to your dinner party.
1: Oh. Oh, uh, Dr. Joy. I'm high on Dr. Joy right there, now. <laughs> there you go. Okay. okay, Um, Magic Johnson. Okay. And since I said Michelle, shout out to Barack Obama. And wife there, Barack- there you go. There you yeah.
0: go. Okay, to round out the table.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what is your, do you have a guilty pleasure? What is your guilty pleasure?
1: I love, like,
0: sweets, like okay. cake. Um yeah, cake. Okay. All right. What is your favorite piece of furniture? My favorite
1: piece of furniture uh a, a piano is not a just not furniture, huh? Something you sit on. <laughs> uh I'd probably say like my my couch. Yeah, my couch.
0: Okay, all right. Um your where is your favorite stereo? Is it in a car? Is it your your um, little speaker? Where, where is your favorite stereo?
1: My favorite stereo is in my room. Like I used, I had the Bose speakers. I oh, love there it. You go. Yeah. There you
0: go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what, is, what has been your favorite concert?
1: Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. So, I went to um, Jay Z and Kanye's. What is their... Watch the Throne, okay. um, but uh, my cousin she got us all like front row tickets, so I'm like right in the first row. Um, that was pretty dope. But I also mm-hmm. went to uh, Jay Z and Beyonce's at uh, at the what's the field in Seattle? Um, the
0: Seco Field.
1: Seco Field. I went to the On the Run tour, but uh-huh. I, I I gotta go with my girl Mary mary j <laughs> Mary J,
0: okay, all right, yeah, I love Mary, all right, all right, that's cool, um, do you have a favorite quote uh, I don't have a favorite
1: quote um I don't no, no favorite
0: quote, okay, mm-hmm. name what's a movie that you can watch over and over again,
1: ooh, uh. Brown sugar, and okay. can I give you two of this one?
0: Yeah, you can give me two. Set it off. <laughs> Set it off? Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh Do you have a favorite app? Uh,
1: I'm not a uh, confession. I have a Blackberry, so I don't oh.
0: Oh, <laughs> really use my... So you're one of the three you're one of the three left that have Yeah,
1: pleasure. me my mom has been like raised so four, yeah. So I don't really use a lot of apps. Um, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. That's cool. Um, does pineapple belong on pizza?
1: Heck no. No, what? absolutely not. No.
0: You, like, you not. haven't tried it. I will take I you have.
1: It. I don't like warm pineapples are the worst.
0: Uh, i would, I disagree with you there, but okay, um, does sugar go on grits?
1: heck, no, butter and salt <laughs> butter and salt yeah,
0: okay, same Same on your mom for that <laughs> uh, all right, so you've been to Dicks in Seattle, right?
1: Say it again i've been
0: you've been to Dicks, right the hamburger stand in Seattle I haven't, to...
1: but I know what you're talking about.
0: you have not
1: I have not I don't eat beef. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well,
1: were you going to say Dick's
0: or In N Out? (laughs) Well, I was going to, well, Dick's fries, In N Out burgers are better, but Dick's fries are, I've
1: never had them.
0: They're the best in the land. So, next time we talk, I need you to compare. Yeah,
1: I'll definitely try. (laughs) The
0: fries at Dick's are the Uh best. They're the best in the
1: land. All right. I'll Um, definitely try it.
0: so, So, you do the Beyond Burger?
1: Mhm, I have.
0: Have they're they're better than the regular burgers, or just because you don't eat beef, you like to
1: Yeah, I don't eat beef, um, okay. so it tastes it's good to eat a burger, you know. Um mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, they ha- it has some texture, but it's definitely different from beef.
0: Okay, yeah. so lastly, lastly, I want to ask you, what is the best example you've seen of someone paying it forward? Hmm.
1: Oh wow, that's tough. Um, you know, I think uh, in general, I'll just be general right now because I can't, I, I can't really think of a good example. Um, if you look around L.A. right now, like with the L.A. Hoopers, you know, you have a, you have this just the the years that I grew up this age group. So you have Trevor Reza, you have Pooh you have Bobby Brown, um, L B, you have um a lot of LA hoopers who are taking time to give back the real right. Um, they're 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 being intentional about giving back their knowledge to to younger hoopers right now. High school, um, middle school, um and even with like the coaches, I think we have had some successful coaches like come through LA that hoops for now, um, whether it's Reggie, Coach Morris at um Fairfax, um, Coach Cav at um Saint Anthony's, um, Ebony Hoffman at Winward. I think you have a lot of Moot Bishop. <laughs> um, I think you have a lot of hoopers, especially in the area LA area, um, giving back um to the community that we came from. Um, and serving the younger generation. And I think those guys will in turn do the same. Uh, I think I love the movement that's happening right now in L.A. with that. And we're taking care of our own um, and understanding that we're impacting a generation that uh, is going to push us, push the needle and carry the torch.
0: Noah Quinn, you've done such a fantastic job. I want to thank you. Um, Congratulations on your life. Not only uh, winning... Um, WNBA championships, but uh, finding your purpose. Uh, for, I wouldn't say falling into coaching, but kind of making that work. Um, I, I love your I love your quote. Um, you never know who's watching. You know mm-hmm. that's a that's mm-hmm. that's a fantastic quote that a lot of people can learn from. I want yeah. to thank you so much for making time to join no me problem. today. Uh,
1: Thank you for making our voice your choice.